Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Daily Friend Wrap. I'm your host, Nicholas Larama, joined today by Mr. Marius Ruit. Let us get into the news of today. And the first thing we're going to talk about is the financial state of ESCOM. ESCOM has revealed its financial results for the year ending uh, March 2023. We show that it's their sixth consecutive uh, year of loss. Um, they lost 23.9 billion rand, uh, and that the com company's financial position is really not much better than it's been for a long period of time. Um, they also have found unsurprisingly that load shedding was of course the worst this year in 2023 uh, load shedding intensified from 65 days of load shedding in 2022 to 280 days in 2023 uh, financial year a 331 percent increase uh, and the energy availability factor which is basically the percentage of escom's um, power plants that are working at any one time went down from 62 percent to 56 percent which clearly is the biggest uh, really concerning number because that suggests that the problem is not getting any better. Now, things have been a little bit better in recent weeks, as I'm sure anyone knows. Uh, we were mercifully spared at the end of the Rugby World Cup, any load shedding. But it looks like load shedding is back, and it's kind of unclear as to whether things are going to get much better in the near term. At the same time, ESCOM has decided that amongst all of this, uh, that it's time to do a corporate rebrand. They put out a tender for interested parties to redesign their logo and develop a new corporate identity for a period of five years. There's no indication yet of how much this project will cost. <laughs> but probably, I suspect, it's going to cost more than it should. Morris, um, what do you make of all this? This is just <laughs> kind of, you know, it's not, it's not the greatest scandal in the world, but it really, I think, to me, suggests that this is, uh, your head is kind of in the wrong direction if you're the ESCOM board at the moment. Well, yeah, I think ESCOM uh, has some big problems. Uh, as a fifth year of uh, losses and worst load shedding, uh, year of load shedding on record. Uh, and that's even, we still have two months to go before the end of the year. So ESCOM's got some pretty big problems. But uh, as I was saying to you before the show, I don't think the fact that they're rebranding is such a bad idea. I think, uh, as I said, the people who are going to be doing the marketing are probably not the ones who are going to be fixing the power stations. If they are, then that's probably why South Africa is in the problem it is. Uh, but, uh, and probably if you are an organization like ESCOM, I mean, ESCOM is now pretty much a byword for incompetence and collapse and so on. So maybe you do want to kind of rebrand and make make things look like, you know, uh, ESCOM is actually quite an efficient company and so on. But, uh, I mean, jokes aside, uh, this is all pretty concerning. Uh I mean, if we, what was it, 250 days of load shedding? You know, for every time, for every day of load shedding, that's X amount of money that's coming out of the economy, which means that's uh, fewer profits for businesses. And that means less money going into people's pockets, which means people are getting poorer, people are losing jobs. And as I've said before, uh, you know, when we look at the unemployment statistics, which are, I mean, they're absolutely shocking, whatever the expanded is at the moment, 33 or 34%. For each of those, you know, those numbers reflect real people. You know, they're not just numbers on a uh, on your computer screen. For each of those people, that's somebody who doesn't have a job, who has all indignity of not uh, not being able to provide for themselves and their family. And load shedding feeds into all of this. And if you look at various statistics, uh, I mean, the Reserve Bank has said um, load shedding has probably add, added 0.5, uh, a half a percentage point uh, to um, 
inflation. It's definitely uh, dampened our economic growth rate. I mean, without load shedding, to, I mean, you know, the, I'm not an economist, so I can't tell you exactly, but, you know, without load shedding, our economy would definitely be bigger. Uh, who knows if it would be 1% bigger or 20% bigger, but load shedding has made the South African economy smaller. And in the, any modern economy, somebody can't function without electricity. <laughs> and that's what we have at the moment. Uh, exactly right. And of course, ESCOM is this sort of huge drain now. It's potentially a massive drain on the on the national fiscus, uh, which is already, as we've been talking about on the show, not a great position. Um, with uh, At the beginning of this year, it was announced that ESCOM was going to get this huge relief package from government, but it's continuing to lose money. So <laughs> it's, you know, it's just going to need, unless that's turned around soon, it's just going to need another package, uh, which means that, uh, you know, there's less money for services, there's less money for police, there's less money for debt servicing, which is a growing problem, of course. Uh, so yeah, no, ESCOM needs to, this, the crisis needs to be tackled sooner rather than later. Um, and there's no indication at the moment that it's going to be tackled. Let's move on to our next story. And this is about President Ramaphosa, who last night gave a bit of an odd speech. So he announced at a, uh, a function just before the Rugby World Cup final that um, he was considering with government announcing a public holiday if the Springboks won the World Cup. Kind of a strange promise to make, but a welcome one, I think, for many South Africans who are very eager, particularly on Monday, to nurse uh, hangovers from, from weekend parties after we won. Um, but, of course, no, uh, no, no, uh, no public holiday was forthcoming. So the president stood up and gave a 30-minute speech where it basically was an election speech talking about how uh, all the things that government has managed to achieve... Um, however, he said that we can't have a public holiday now because of matric exams, um, which because a public holiday will distract matriculants. And so the 15th of December, which is the day before a day that's already going to be a public holiday on the Saturday, and the 16th of December, which is the day of reconciliation, um, that the 15th of December will be a public holiday to celebrate hope and unity in the country. He said, in celebration of the Springboks' momentous achievement to the achievements of all other sportsmen and women, and as a tribute to the resolve of our united nation, I am declaring Friday the 15th of December 2023 as a public holiday. We declare this to be a day of hope, a day of celebration, and a day of unity. Morris, I'm all for days of unity, but this whole incident was a bit weird. Well, I mean, the president can't just go, I mean, he can, but it's uh, to go unilaterally declare a public holiday, especially you know, two or three days before the actual holiday. You know, people will have already made plans, business will have made plans for the Mondays, you know, uh, factories and shops and whatever you will have scheduled deliveries and, you know, things to go out. And it's really just throws a spanner in the works. And it's, you know, it's all pretty silly. Uh, I, I think actually this is probably a pretty good compromise, actually, to make the 15th of December a public holiday because most companies, I mean, from the middle of December, as we all know, South Africa might, pretty much shuts down. So making the 15th of December a public holiday when probably a lot of people were only going to work half day, if they were going, going to the office, not going to do too much, and probably a lot of people will already be on leave from the 15th. So it's it's quite a good compromise, but it's all a bit silly in the first place, you know, and uh, it's been quite interesting to see Sir Ramaphosa try and get this reflected glory from the Springboks, you know, and just to... The way that the Springboks have become a successful team because they've done things properly, they've laid foundations, they've made plans, which this government doesn't do. It doesn't, you know, we, we, we have all these things, oh, cool, we want to get to 6% economic growth. 
that's fine. The Springboks, we, we, they don't, the government didn't say how we're actually going to get there. When the Springboks gave themselves the aim of winning the 2019 World Cup, they didn't just, you know, pray and like put it on their, uh, uh, you know, vision board. <laughs> Rassi Erasmus and Jogni Nobber and everybody else was involved in uh, the wins in 2019 and now on Saturday, put in proper foundations in place on how to get there, made sure that the correct people in the right positions, which our government doesn't do. But yeah, this has just been uh, Solorama Pausa and the ANC trying to get some, uh, you know, reflected glory from, from the Springboks. And you know, as people have been saying on social media, this win was despite the ANC, not because of, because of the ANC or uh, the president. Right, and as we talked about an episode yesterday, the Springboks are this amazing kind of contrast to almost everything else the South African state sort of does, as you say. it's uh, They planned well, uh, they embrace a kind of non-racialism, they are, uh, you know, they, they put in the long hours and the careful strategic planning, they know to focus on performance, all these, all these aspects which just in government policy seem to be completely absent, um, and you know, the rest of government should take a look at one of our few national institutions that's actually performing really well and say, maybe, just maybe, we should learn a few lessons from them. Right, let's go on to our last story. And this is the South African Reserve Bank is clearly, I think, feeling the pressure uh, uh, around interest rates. Um, they have been uh, using interest rates to try and curb inflation, which, of course, has been above their target for a while now or um, uh, above 6%. Um, and yet, you know, despite raising inflation rates and things like, uh, sorry, um, raising interest rates, uh, the Reserve Bank has not been able to to kind of control this. And they are kind of hitting back sort of at the rest of government saying, the central bank is meant to respond to short-term cyclical issues, but the structural issues don't change. What happens in this economy is that, they, is that it behaves all the time like it is overheating, said the deputy uh, governor of the Reserve Bank. It makes the job of the Reserve Bank very difficult because it means that even small increases in growth looks like demand is exceptionally high when it actually isn't. It distorts the numbers, it distorts the outcomes of that and basically went on to say that the real drivers of inflation are not, you know, uh, these kind of more cyclical money problems, but the fundamentals, things like the infrastructure being bad, uh, which increases transport costs, or the fact that the electricity uh, is, is always going out, which also hampers business and forces them to raise prices to keep themselves profitable. Um, and one could list a thousand other reasons why inflation is sort of at the structural level a problem in South Africa. And I think this is a very welcome uh, comment from the Reserve Bank, which is basically that, you know, they're not magic money wizards who can just wish away inflation with their superpowers. Uh, they actually... Um, the government needs to, you know, put in policies that will fix the economy. Morris, your thoughts? Yeah, there's not much that you can add to that. I think that's exactly it. As you say, the Reserve Bank aren't uh, wizards. They can only do so much. And I think that's exactly it. It's structural issues. In most uh, countries, you raise interest rates because the economy is growing too fast. You want to reduce the money supply. And we have to do that. But as you say, a lot of these uh, issues are structural issues or external issues because of uh, the oil price going on and there's only so much that the reserve bank can do and probably i mean you mentioned now that the springboks are one of the few excellent south african institutions i think that you can probably add the reserve bank there and they probably you know uh that they basically the little dutch boy with his uh, finger in the dark uh, if you know if he had to take his fingers out then i think we'd see this flood real flood of problems and they're one of the few institutions that's really still been excellent over the past 10 or 20 years and really kept 
you know, I think they've been quite a good bulwark for uh, the South African economy. And without them, I think we'd have much bigger problems than we do at the moment. But, and uh, the Reserve Bank's always pretty much spoken sense and they're doing that now. And yeah, there's only so much they can do. Um, the only, you know, the only real uh, weapon is the um, uh, interest rates. And yeah, there's not much more they can do without help from the government. As you point out, issues about around infrastructure and so on. And a lot of these things are the, only the government can fix. Things such as roads and transnet and ESCOM and so on. And, you know, not necessarily the government, it's not necessarily the government, only the government can fix it, but they're not giving other organizations the... Um, right, they could at least get out of the way. Exactly, yeah. So we've got to, I think we're going to have these problems for a while. But, um, oh, who knows? Uh, maybe we'll get a new government in the election next year, but I'm not holding my breath yet. Uh, definitely something to watch. Anyway, uh, that's a wrap for today, and we will see you tomorrow. Cheers, everyone. Thank you.